You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. <laughs> Wildcats podcast brought to you by DraftKings. Good games going on tonight. If you put down five bucks on that game, you get $150 in free plays. NBA, new customers only. All right. Now, joined by William Brad Alice. I am merely Mike Luke. Got a lot to get to you today. We're going to talk about uh, U of A recruiting, basketball roster construction. But first and foremost, Dalen Terry recently announced that he is declaring for the draft without uh, signing in, uh, without signing in, uh, with an agent. Brad, I think this is I think this is a smart move by Terry. I'm not particularly worried about this. I would expect Dalen Terry to be back. Yeah, you know, all indications are that he's uh, going to be back. That he probably won't get the uh, the quite the feedback that he wants to stay in the draft. Now, uh, this makes sense from a couple of reasons. One, you could end up getting that first round promise, uh, and if you're getting a first round promise, it probably means a very good team is giving you that promise. And, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you're not going to make a ton of money compared to being a top 15 pick, but a promise is a promise. More than likely, you go and you do you accomplish a couple things. One, first and foremost, you get the feedback you need. He'll find out: Do they see me as a three and D guy? Uh, do they see me as a secondary ball handler? Heck, do a few teams think maybe I can play point guard at this level? I doubt it, but you know, you 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 see what I mean. He gets that feedback. He comes back consults with the coaches and they try to create a plan not only for his in-game development, but in practice and in workouts. Um, you know, Tommy Lloyd, I think is a lot like Lute Olson. And frankly, let's be honest, Sean Miller was this way just because Sean Miller didn't use you in the game, the way maybe NBA teams wanted you to be used. Doesn't mean they weren't working on those skills uh, in right. practice, in workouts, things like that. I think secondarily, and this is the new breed of the college basketball landscape Dallin Terry's name is going to start hitting national circuits today. People knew who he was, but for the most part, it was Matherin. It was uh, Christian Coloco. It was even Tubelis who right. and Creesa who got the – he helps his NIL stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, 
is it significant? No, but you know, if you can all of a sudden get a regional company, a national company to, to chip in a little bit and, or to, you know, allow him to branch out. Um, it can help financially make sense next year. And it can also expand for the future. I think that's the one thing we haven't seen about name and likeness. How does success at the college level? And again, like, I don't know how much he's getting from that ice cream company. Probably not much, but the fact that he is now learning to market himself when he does go, let's say, you know, I'm going to throw out to, let's say Memphis drafts him next, you know, next year, but suddenly he now knows how to do a public appearance. He knows how to market to companies. He knows how to sit in that meeting and say, Hey, here's what I can do for you guys. It's not just his business manager. So all this helps him long run. And again, I think for him, the ideal situation, not Arizona, but for him would be to get that first round guarantee and then he stays in the draft. We all believe, and from what it sounds like, the coaches believe he'll be back. Uh, But, you know, in in many ways, I think the best case scenario for Arizona would have been he did his homework now and then came back already. But if not, I think, yeah, we, I think we expect the coaches expect he will be back, but he he may be back a, a little bit smarter and a lot wiser. I think that this is a, honestly, it's a good move for him. And honestly, I think assuming he does come back, Tommy Lloyd, I think is the perfect coach for him. Because when you look at it, Benedict Matherin, obviously leaving, he was your big scorer right there. Kirk Kreese is a good player, but nobody's going to say, well, you can't have the ball or Kerr's got to have the ball at all times. I think Dalen Terry can really come back and essentially be a much better version of what he's been with a more offensive-minded gear towards him and that he can get you the six rebounds, the five five assists, but I think he can also get you the 14 or 15 points. And with his kind of defense, Brad, I think that you've got the ability to be able to come. If he does that, I think he leaves next year as a sure first-round pick because we both agree that he's an NBA player. It's just about being able to make that right move at the right time. I think what he has to show the NBA is – that he is good enough as a scorer and as a playmaker to warrant that top 15 pick mm-hmm. that he can go and be a starter on a team that needs talent. Cause right. right now, I mean, could he go and be a backup on the Suns and be Mikhail Bridges jr. Mm-hmm. That, that, I mean, that's, I think that's, I, but he wants to show that no, he can be Mikhail Bridges. Right, um, that type of player, and I don't know if he's a good enough shooter, uh, but I think he could be a good enough defender. Um, he's, you know, he's athletic, he's long, he's going to get stronger. Um, but he he has a realistic possibility next year of being the number two scoring option for the Wildcats, depending on how things shake out. I think Tabellus becomes the number one scoring option. I think he could be the number two. And if he can go in, and I don't even think he needs to average sixteen. I think he goes and averages twelve. You know, double. Right. You double your scoring output. You increase your three-point shooting. What was he, 34 or something like that? You go up. It came, on, it came on at the end of the year, too. Yeah. He got better as the year went on. But you shoot 39 because right. 39 translates to about 40-something in the NBA because you're going to work on it. It's a more wide-open league. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think again, he does he have the ability to turn some heads now? Yes. But more than likely, he's a second-round flyer. Right. Uh, I really, you know, I I can't see, I I don't think he's good enough that one of the good teams would take him late because most of them need either someone who's going to contribute right away or someone they can stash totally. And he's kind of in between, but yeah, if I'm a, if I'm one of these lower teams or I'm a good team with a low draft pick, 
then yeah, I'm taking him second round, but he doesn't want to be a second round pick. He doesn't want to be a second round pick. And honestly, there are some people that are just maxed out as second round picks. Give you an example. I mean, Michael Wright, back in the day, Michael Wright was always going to be a second round pick, whether he left as a freshman or whether he left as a ninth year senior. It didn't matter. Dalen Terry doesn't fall into that group though. Dalen Terry has that potential. Dalen Terry has that upside to come back and be a top 20 type pick. And there's a big difference there, William, in that, you're talking, and again, a lot of a lot of second-rounders stick. I mean, you look at a lot of U of A second-rounders have stuck, Gilbert Arenas being the best. But there's also a difference, though, where I've got guaranteed a couple million dollars. I'm set financially if I'm a first-round pick. If I'm second-round, I'm taking a little bit of a chance. There is, and I don't know if it's as true now as it used to be. There used to also be that first-round stigma. Right. And I mean that in a positive way. So maybe stigma's not the right. But – Teams were much more willing to give Solomon Hill that contract he doesn't quite deserve. Right. Um, who who kept getting chance after chance? Was it Wesley Johnson, the old Syracuse player? Yes, the Syracuse who, kid who, who just right. he was terrible, but he kept getting opportunities. Uh, even if you want to go with a guy who had some talent but was drafted way too high, it was Beasley. He kept getting opportunities because he was a first-round draft pick. You know what the lottery quote, pick. Here's the quote. Bill Parcells, your guy, ex-Giants, great. He said, listen, the reason you're going to take a, pay, uh, a flyer on someone like that is because at one time they were thought of as being very good. That's the yeah. reason why. So you're, you're exactly right there. Even with my team, the Chiefs, look at all the first former first-round picks. They stockpile for nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, half their cornerbacks and half their receivers are former first-round picks and bombed out on other teams. People are going to give you a chance. So – while some teams love getting creative, you know, there, there's for every TJ McConnell uh, who earns his way into that contract, uh, there's a bunch of, again, I'm going to use Wesley Johnson, the guy who played, I think, eight or nine years and, and shouldn't have. Stole a lot of money. Yes. Yet somehow Derek Williams right. couldn't do that himself. By the way, Brad, we have a singing request. So, real quick, here we go. Don't cry for me, Argentina. How about that, Steve? I wanted to help. I wanted to help Why, you. Hey, Steve? We picked Why? up three. We picked up three viewers right there. All right. Now, if you we're talking about Dalen Terry playing in the NBA, we're going to talk about another guy that's going to play in the NBA. But you know what they both have in common? You would be wagering on them on the DraftKings Sportsbook app, code word PHNX. Put in five bucks, get $150 in free plays if uh, that team plays. And if you're a new customer only, eligibility restrictions apply. 21 and up, Arizona only, DraftKings. By the way, Brad, do you like the uh, you like the uh, Suns tonight? You know, I do. It feels like uh, chip on the shoulder Chris Paul game. Chris mm-hmm. Paul going back to New Orleans game. And right. Chris Paul saying F you Scott Foster game. Right, exactly. A lot of Chris, those. Chris Paul, what, what's his scoring? Did, can you, can you, I do a prop bet on his uh, over? Yep. Give it to me. Give and you would me. do it at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. I think it's 17 and a half, or no, 18 and a half points, I believe. So go yeah, ahead. I like and pick that. It up. I like that one. Hammer that one. All right. All right, Brad. So now let's talk a little bit of recruiting. The name that has come across the board that everybody's talking about now is a guy named Leonard Miller. Again, I haven't watched Leonard Miller in person. I've watched highlights. Brad, this guy isn't looks like what is that what we're talking about with a lot of Arizona recruits out there? That's true. That's true. Yeah. Brad, this kid looks like an absolute monster. Yes. He looks like he's about six foot. He, and again, I haven't seen, I'm not like William back in the day where I'm going to Indianapolis and New Jersey and covering yeah, all the that. Right. But 
this kid looks like he this looks like a top this is what a top five prospect looks like. He's six foot ten. He can dribble. He can do everything. Uh, he he looks like a game changing type recruit if he were to go somewhere. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if he's an all star. He's that good. Yeah, he looks like that new breed, which is an old breed of small four. That six nine, six ten, uh, legit small forward. Not uh, we're gonna play Aaron Gordon at small forward because he wants to get drafted, or we're gonna put Brandon Ashley. No, this kid looks like a legit small four. He's also a legit one and done if he comes to Arizona or Kentucky. Um, and I know the G League's a possibility. There's also some rumblings that he may be draft eligible, um, which seems weird to me that they'd be talking these other things. But either way, this is a guy, and I, I know a lot of Arizona player uh, fans are burned out on the one and dones. I also know a lot of Arizona fans are burned out for whatever reason on European players. I know right. David Kelly got a nasty letter about that. DK, keep your head up. Go, uh, go Guardians. Um, but uh, but to me, you should really, in, in reality, for every three prospects you bring into Arizona, one should be a one-and-done type. One should be what I call first-year rotation, second-year starter, and possibly lose them to the draft. And then the third should be the pure project. Um, you know, if you look at it, I'm going to use uh, you know, Adama Ball. That, that he appears to be that that second kind of guy. Last year barely played. This year he's going to be in the rotation. Could even maybe start. Although I think that's Pella Larson. Um, and a lot of it depends on Dallin Terry. Um, but then you look at the Serbian kid, and he seems to be that third type. He might mm -hmm. get in the rotation next year, but he's two or three years from starting. Right. But if you can add Miller to that mix, you do it. Now, do I want four of those kind of guys? No, because I think. You know, if you're looking at it, look who's won national titles lately. And it hasn't been, it's the Villanovas. Mm -hmm. And even though they're, you know, even though Kansas has a few one and dones, that was a very veteran Kansas right. team this year. That's what you want. Do you want one or two of those guys? Absolutely. But you know what? I also want some Terry's and Tubelis's and, and Creases. And, uh, but yeah, if you can get me a guy like, like, like Miller to add into that mix to be that instant superstar. Um, and even if he's not the number one scoring option, he's still that. And, and this know, is like, what, like the role Matherin played last year. I know Matherin is here the year before, but essentially Matherin was kind of Tommy Lloyd's one and done. You absolutely take that. Again, I don't want four of them per class. I'm not going to, I don't, as good as Calipari's been, he hasn't won it in a long time with that formula. I think that formula has become flawed. I also don't think that Calipari, I think what Calipari's done, and, and to me it's a lot different than Krzyzewski, is Calipari never figured out really how to blend getting, because he's always going to recruit those guys, but he doesn't get the DeAndre Liggins. He doesn't have the guys who are the three- or the four-year players, and that's why you look at it, and every year it seems that they fall short of expectations, whereas at least K, and I know it's, it's a little bit different, um, but at least he seems to have an upperclassman or two. Bill Self is the perfect one at doing it. Bill Self, like you just talked about. Well, Bill Self know. somehow finds guys with 12 years of eligibility. I mean, well, uh, Mitch Lightfoot, I think, is coming back. I mean, uh, who was the other guy? The, the the guy who had the fashion designer name who was there for 107. Yeah, he right. knows how. I think it's a good mix. And again, Self is well, no, but who am I thinking of the guy from the fashion designer? About five years ago. He had the name of like one of the fashion designers. 
He was there uh, for like eight years, it seemed like. Oh, um, interesting. It's a running joke on a lot of uh, a lot of Facebook groups and stuff. But I'll think of it as soon as this yeah. ends over, and I'll be upset about it. Uh, but, but yeah, but yeah, Bill Self has had a good formula for that. Frankly, and, and they haven't had as many one and dones. But North Carolina, be, people forget how successful Roy Williams was at the end of his career. Right. Um. You know, he since going to Carolina, he won three titles. He was. Right. I think it was a lot with those. It was a lot with really good junior five star types the Raymond Feltons, the Sean Mays, the Rashad McCants. Yes. It wasn't necessarily the Marvin Williams of the world. A guy I'm sure. He was their sixth man. Right. I'm not sure. Did you scout Marvin Williams? I did. Yeah. I love Marvin Williams. You were wrong. I was wrong, though, too. How was I wrong? He was a very pedestrian player. Yeah, but he was still a top five pick. Oh, I know. No, no, no. I'm not saying that. Oh, well, yeah. Once they get to the league, it's that's the hard. Brad's hands are clean at that point. I'm just getting got, you to the league. I, I oh, got him God. to the league as a five-star top <laughs> ten recruit. That's all. I, right. That's, that's all but, I can do. But if you were to add the one thing on this U of A roster that I think's a little uh, they're lacking right now is you don't have a ton of ball handling. Um, Kerr is, you know, Kerr's good. Kerr's not uh, Damon Stoudemire with the ball. Um, you know, uh, Galen Terry is a very good one and a half will or Miller brings you. And it's crazy to say this about a guy who's six foot 10 or six foot 11. Miller actually brings you some real ball handling here. And he's a perimeter guy. So again, oh, see, here's where I think Miller also allows you to do that. He, he allows you to go small. Oh, for sure. Oh, a hundred percent. Because he, he becomes your de facto power forward. I think. Right. Apologies to our our, our 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 favorite player Umar Bala. Right. But I think if Miller comes, I don't think he pushes Larson to the bench. I think he pushes Bala to the bench, and you go for four one in four out, which is actually kind of a what about four and a half? Because uh, you know, Tubelis isn't exactly uh, uh, back to the basket post up. But I think what it does it allows you to have four four ball handlers on the floor, and that's what this Arizona team is going to be no matter what. While they don't have elite ball handlers they're gonna have ball handlers at about three positions because if you look at it larson's a pretty good ball handler for a two dallin terry's an excellent ball handler if he's your three adama ball was a whatever he was semi-pro point guard at one point so you got four guys there you're gonna bring in a combo guard i assume um i would assume if the the the, the serbian kid can break into the rotation for a six nine guy, he's a good ball handler. If you can somehow land Miller, uh, you know, pretty much if you're bringing in any European player, they're going to have some ball handling ability. So I think the secret is while Kirk Creesa is the 45th best point guard in the modern era as a ball handler, the overall three or four man perimeter team is going to be above average at all those positions. And a lot like last year where, you know, you relied just as much on Kyer and Matherin and Terry to handle the ball as you did Creason in a lot of those situations. What do you look at? So Arizona next year, let's just assume, because you and I know who it is. I'm not going to put it out there for because for whatever reason, nobody wants it out there. But let's say that the mystery European, the big man, does come here. We assume he starts at center, correct? You would think. unless Again, I think the big, I think the big question mark is Miller. I think mm-hmm. as as much as you want Miller, he changes a lot. Cause are you benching to to play right. Miller? Right. Are you benching? I mean, maybe you bench Pella Larson and you go with 
Dal and Terry, assuming Terry's back. Let's let's assume Terry's back. Let's assume Mystery Euro, and I'm going to assume a combo guard. If you do get Miller, then maybe Miller plays a legit three. Larson comes off bench. I think Larson's fine with that. Um, but yeah, your your assumption is that Tubelis, Mystery Euro, uh, front line with with Miller, and suddenly you're really big across the front line, and you're six seven at the shooting guard. That's a very fun lineup. Is Pella Larson better than Joe McClain already? Yes. Okay, I just wanted to make and, sure. And, we're on I, the same and I like Joe, but Joe was a guy who. Joe, Joe was a guy was a, that was better in practice than he was in games. Joe was a guy who shot 60% in high school and, and lost his shot for most of his career here. He was a hustle guy. Right. Um, you know, and a lot of it was you, you kind of, I don't know, I, I think you were eight at the time, but I was in college. You kind of had to choose were you a Corey guy or were you a McLean guy? And a lot of Tucson at that time liked McLean because he wore the knee pads. And, and mm. frankly, there might be a little bit of subtle racism oh. there. Oh, I sure. was a Corey Williams guy. Give me the six, seven lanky guy from Batavia yeah. who could occasionally light it up. Um, right. I was a, I was, a, I was a Corey Williams guy, but you kind of had to choose your poison because they kind of switched roles over who was that first wing off the, the bench on those teams. All right. Something though, that you never I got have a to... question for you, Mike, Kirk, is, would he be Sean Miller's second or third best point guard? As much heat as he takes, do you want him or Mark Lyons? Uh, Mark Lyons. I'm a bigger okay. fan of Mark Lyons than most people, though. Okay, but but as much heat as Kreese takes, let's think about this today. You take him over PJC, right? Oh, 100%, yes. You take him over Momo. Yes. Take him over Nick Wise. You're telling me you want Nick Wise over Kirk Kreese? Nick Wise was Nick Wise was like thirteen and five. Nick Wise averaged like fourteen and six. Yeah, I still don't on that vaunted Sweet Sixteen Russ Pedal team. Yeah, I still don't want. I still want Kirk Risa over Nick Wise. But that's fair. That's, that's but, not a hill I'm going to die on. Yeah. So yeah, I was thinking about that today because I I I I read. I think Jason put this out and it might have been on uh, Twitter. Uh, where yeah, the coaches are higher on Kirk Risa than uh, right. most of the public is. And I was thinking about that. I'm like, he might be the. He might be. Well, I might choose him second. Will you want Lions over him? Because, you know, Lions are going to get you that big bucket. But he's also going to shoot you out of a few games. Let, let's talk about Kirk Creasa, but also we need to talk about the DraftKings Sportsbook app, code word PHNX. Now, you might be saying, Mike, I hear you talking about this all the time, but I've never paid attention. What is it? All right, it's the best sports betting uh, site on there. Get the app. Um, you can bet on the Suns tonight. And if, the, or, and if that game is even played, you get $150 in free plays if you put $5 down. That simple, that easy, make it happen, DraftKings Sportsbook app. All right, I asked this to Doug Gottlieb, and I asked this to Matt Muehlbach. Talk about Mike dropping names right now. <laughs> wow, that's that's not a bad backcourt. <laughs> that's not a bad backcourt. I asked them both this question. Is Kirk Kreese good enough uh, to be a Final Four point guard? And both, of them, and both of them, who are much smarter than me, said, I don't know. I thought that I was think that's fair. I think that's I thought, fair. I, 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 yes, I, I think it's fair as well. I thought that was just an interesting, interesting remark from two guys who are incredibly dialed in that generally have opinions. I thought it was just interesting. No, I think that's absolutely fair. But again, I could go to that with the the Sean Miller era. Who other than T.J. McConnell were you sold on being a point? Uh, you know, a, a final caliber point guard. I mean, they almost made a Final Four with Momo Jones. Mm -hmm. uh, Momo Jones but was. Momo Jones would not start over Kirk Creasa. So uh, correct, right? 
Um, now, I think, again, I think the secret to Kirk Carissa, and, and this is what we talked about last summer, is surrounding him with other combo guards. Mm-hmm. You know, last year it was, you know, I think to me, Pella Larson, although he he's a combo guard. Right. Is he more of a shooting guard? Absolutely. Kyer was a combo guard. Um, Dallin Terry in his own way. I mean, Dallin Terry's out there dishing out assists. Right. Now, he's not running the offense per se, but he's finding the open guy, which means if Kirk Creesa is hot from three-point range that game, you certainly can let more of the offense flow through Dallin Terry. Right. Um, my understanding of Adama Ball's background, and again, I the tape looked like it was recorded on a Samsung flip phone. But you watched him this year, though. Yeah, and again, I didn't see a whole lot, but... You know, he has a point guard background. Does that mean he's a point guard? No, but again, if he can be that secondary, thirdary, fourthary ball handler, I'm making up words here for you, Mike. Tertiary. Who can, who can also, you know, dish out a couple assists, who can allow the ball to be taken out of Crease's hands if he does have the hot hand. Um, you know, remember Luke's best teams in reality were, were full of combo guards. Mm-hmm. Um, that 94 team is the best example. You basically had three point guards on the floor at all times. Right. Um, the 88 team, Steve Kerr had the gaudy assist to turnover ratio. Craig McMillan handled the ball a lot. Sean mm-hmm. Elliott handled Sean the Elliott, ball a yeah, lot. Right. 97, 98. Um, you know, was, you, was JT ever really a point guard? I mean, I know he played it his senior year, no, but, but, but how much of the offense went through miles? Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, again, Bibby's a fabulous point guard. Even going into those 01, 03 teams, um, oh, you know, Arenas could could handle the ball. Arenas, he wasn't a passer, but um, that the ball moved very well. You had a, he was a ball handler, and then of course that 03 team, uh, you had Luke Walton, who was just, uh, you know. But what here's something though that here's something though that I think is very important though is that a bad and I think William William and I are going to disagree on this but William is wrong here in that I think a bad I think a point guard that is bad in bad oper- or bad situations can torpedo you Mustafa Shakur I believe I think it was next to impossible to go to a final four with Mustafa Shakur as your point guard what do you say? No, I, I absolutely agree with you. Oh, I thought you did, I thought you would agree with disagree with me. No, oh, I okay. think that's my question for Chris. I as I said and. Uh, luckily, I think I was wrong. I thought Creaso would either hit the shot that would get Arizona the Final Four, or he'd make the bonehead play to keep them out of one. Unfortunately, what do you think? Of, what do you think of Noah's? Co- what do you think of Noah's question right there, William? Uh, you know what? Clutch moments. I want Kerr. Nico's Me too. More, Nico's more talented, but Nico Nico just didn't have it in the final two minutes of the game. That's something though that we need to we need to emphasize about Kerr and why Kerr to me is still a little bit of a wild card because when you look at him and we've talked about this before he shoots thirty five percent from the field but he looks like he looks like he should be a really good shooter he shoots it with confidence the form is good but the one thing that he did time and time again this year whether that was UCLA whether that was Oregon whether it was Illinois he had big chops when it mattered there William. I will say this. If you look at the bad turnover against Oregon, that's really the only time I remember him being bad late in games. I may be missing one, but it seemed like the, if, almost every game Arizona lost, they lost by double figures. Right. Um, you know, I know maybe the Tennessee game, but that thing was so – but that bad turnover against uh, Oregon was him not – to me, my mm-hmm. – it's him not paying attention. Right. As opposed to him wilting under the pressure. Nico wilted. 
Nico Nico, did. Look at that Oregon game they blew. He just, Mm -hmm. I mean, turning over the ball, didn't want the ball. You know what Um, it was? You know what it was? And again, Nico, I think, was the beneficiary of... Nico had unique qualities that most kids that look like Nico don't have. And that Nico could jump really high. He could make some dynamic plays. But when it really came down to it, there's, gosh, I, I can think of, I can think of ten, I can think of ten point guards from the Lute Olson era that I'm taking. Oh, well, I don't know ten because you got. I would take Gardner. I would take uh, uh, Reggie. I would take uh, Damon. I would take uh, uh, Bibby. I would take Terry Kerr. Uh, what Offic? I mean, there's seven right there. Reeves. Reeves, I mean, we're talking about Nico just wasn't a Nico was just not a big time. Nico didn't ever look like the guy that we were going to win a game because Nico Mannion said, get on my back. I think there were two, some a couple things. One, I think in hindsight, the worst thing Nico Mannion ever did was reclassify. Mm-hmm. In in reality, he should have pulled a Nick Johnson. He should have gone right. to a prep school. Um, right. Again, that's total hindsight um, because he didn't have to play many big games in Tucson in Phoenix. Uh, the competition just—I mean, his team usually cruised, and AAU ball is different. You know, clutch baskets at AAU ball. I mean, when the coach is wearing pajamas half the time, and and you know, pounding on the board, basically saying compete, and, right. and parents are pulling their kids out of games because they're not getting playing time. Does that still happen? By the way, I, I, that's what used to happen when I did. But th- I think that's the problem with Nico. So Nico's almost an incomplete, and then he goes and he and he and he, you know, plays pretty well the G League, and then he gets sick. Um, he might be the big what if, um, but that whole team, you know, I, I know knowing some stories, I'm sure you've heard them. There was a lot of soft guys on that team. Very that much. Was so. a very unmiller like team. Um, so, yeah. So you look at that, but again, I think Kerr, I think again, I don't know if Kerr is a pure enough point guard. I don't know if he's good enough to be a quote unquote final four point guard, but I think he's got the stones. I think he's got, right. let's quote Raph. He's got the onions. Right. The moment's I, not going to be too big for him. I um, used he to, may do something dumb because he gets too cocky. He right. may try, they might be on that fast break to clinch the game, and he throws the no look right to the guy who then heaves the half-court shot. But it won't be because he shies away from it. In fact, it may be because he over-embraces the moment. I would agree with that. All right. Before, because we like, because William comes on once a week. This is a regular thing. So, wanted to get to a little bit of U of A football here before we sign off. Brad, let's look at the Pac-12 South. ASU is a total dumpster fire. Ha ha, ASU. And they're not going to be good for quite a while because the problem is they can't get rid of their coach because you don't know what the sanctions are going to be. And you can't get anybody in there because these could be significant sanctions leveled in there. I actually think there's a plan that they could do. What's the plan? I'd hire Kenny Dillingham. All right. He's like 33. But he would a, take the job. He'd take the job. He wants to be a head coach. And you give him a seven-year contract. You say, first three years, we will not fire you. Yeah. All right. I agree with that. But this that's what I would do. Or some other 33-year-old hotshot. I'd I'd hire, you know, I want some guy who looks like he could be hanging out with McVay and and, uh, and what's his face in the car. Kurt Kingsbury. I yeah. I want one of those guys. Spiky hair, uh, Instagram girlfriend. Yeah. That's who I hire. All right, Arizona, though, you look around, UCLA, meh. Utah's always going to be solid. Colorado stinks. Um, my question for this, with Lincoln Riley, and I always want to say Lincoln Kennedy, but with Lincoln Riley going to USC now, is that door closed on any team other than USC winning the South? 
No. Because Lincoln Riley was at Oklahoma and never mm-hmm. went undefeated in the Big 12. That's true. That's true. Now, I yeah. think he'll be wildly successful there. He right. will take teams to the tournament. He will have a bunch of 12 in one years. Uh, and he may and he may go undefeated in the Pac-12. Don't get me wrong. But he is not he he's not one of the big five. Okay, I got you. I agree with that. He's now, not the Urban Meyer. He's not uh, Saban. He's not uh, Debo. He's not there. He's great. He mm-hmm. is an, but he's probably an A minus coach. Okay, at an cool. A job, but he was an A minus coach at an A job before. And I don't know if the Big Twelve is significantly better than the Pac twelve. Here's my question. Let's just say, and we're going to extrapolate this out. Jed Fish brings in a top twenty five class. Let's say Jed Fish brings in two more top 25 classes along with, you know, the transfer guys. Can Arizona get into the position by, let's say, 2024, where they go into the season, four years into Jed Fish, you could have a a, a senior Delora, you could have, I mean, you got, whoever you have back there should be a decent quarterback. Can Arizona compete for a Pac-12 title or at least a Pac-12 South championship by year four of the Jed Fish regime, if he recruits at the level he's continued, or he's recruited at. If Jed Fish can coach, and that's, that's what we, and that's what. We, and here, I think your best case scenario for Arizona, and it's playing out, is that Arizona is Utah, mm-hmm. and that is you're always top three ish, and then occasionally you have those spikes where you get in, right? Um, and that's that. That's. Frankly, the best you can hope for, I think, for Arizona football, um, which is a slightly better version of the Stoops middle years and a slightly better version of what Tommy was. Because Tommy dipped too much. Right. For my liking. I think well, that's never year. able to sustain it. It was always it'd be a good year and then it'd be a bunch of seven well, and five. I, and then you'd have a couple fours. Because what right. I think Tommy did is I think Tommy would have that success and then change the formula and try to go after – Amon Green, for example, who you were never going to get. Right. Um, and then Locking when you Denson. then you have to settle on your C prospect. There was right. never a plan B when those. Um, so I think what you have to do is you hope a, a Jed Fish can coach. And again, that's my big question. I like everything else about Jed Fish, and I don't think, you know, I'm not this guy who says, "Well, Arizona lost to NAU last year, so they can never have success ever again." Well, right. no, because they got better as the year went on. I mean, Will Plummer, who I don't think is very good, was a better quarterback against ASU than he was against NAU. That's, right, that's, that's coaching. Um, but, yeah, I, I think I think Fish has to understand there's a formula. I think he has to understand that there's a path in Tucson. And do you want to be USC? Yes. But as we've seen with college football, it's very hard to go from an Arizona to an elite. You know, we've seen it, I think, twice-ish. Right. In the last 20-something years, and it's Virginia Tech with the right guy, and it was kind of Kansas State with the right guy. Other than that, you, you, what you can do as Arizona is go from a four-win, five-win program to an eight, nine-win program. And if Fish can do that, then it's wildly successful. And Arizona fans should be great because a nine-win program occasionally does win 12. All right, William, before we sign off here, Arizona women's basketball, a lot of people wondering, you've lost seven or you lost eight people or eight players. I say don't worry about it because here's why. I think Adia Barnes is, and I don't want to use this term lightly, but I think she's kind of cleaning house here a little bit. I think that the players that – I think 
You're bringing in a top five recruiting class, multiple McDonald's All-Americans. I think you're going to be going young. You're going to be going young with a little bit of the old hens right there and that you're going to have a Kate Reese there. But I don't worry about it because I think Adia Barnes has shown that she knows what she's doing. And by the way, she's recruiting at an awesome level. What do you say? Um, a lot of guys left the football program. Mm-hmm. Other than Stanley playing. Berryhill turning pro, you going to miss any of those guys? Right. No. I think with the exception of Bindu Yanni, who's a nice player, but who I think it would have been is going to be the eighth or ninth best player on Arizona next year. Right. Maybe tenth. No offense, but the other the one girl who left is at San Jose State. One's uh, retired from basketball. I think Taylor Chavez, who was a girl who right. had one really good year at Oregon and then has just been kind of an okay player. And I know there's Taylor Chavez fans out there, from what I hear, great kid, um, just an okay basketball player. Right. Um, just like Jackson Bailey was not going to play linebacker at Arizona. Uh, just like, you know, Drew Dixon's at a school I've never heard of. Uh, mm-hmm. He committed today to some score I've never I heard see Drew, of. I see Drew Dixon and Kim Aiken at Vassa Fitness on a daily basis. Well, you know what? Did you see one of those national projections that have Kim Aiken back on the team next year? That's oh, did they really? Yeah. Uh, one of those two early top 25s right. had him on the roster. So they I must see. know something none of us know, including Kim Aiken. Well, um, yeah, including the people at Vassa Fitness. Hey. Hey, that's a that's a pretty good athletic. Oh. Mike Luke, Drew Dixon, and and uh, Kim Aiken. I like to carry. Him. I like to carry him. I'm, I'm yeah, better. yeah. You there know. you go. Uh, but but my point is, yeah, there is no one you look at and you say, y- y- you know, there's look at all the guys who've left Arizona even under Miller, and with the exception of Simon, and were you really missing them? No, I mean, as good as Barcelo ended up being, he was not good at Arizona. Right. Um, he went to a better place. So, yeah, I'm not worried about it. The only thing I could be worried about is depth. And even now, Medea's like, I'm never going to recruit 15 again. Right. You just can't do it. Right. Um, she's going to have 12 or 13 like the men's team does. And even the men's team really doesn't carry 13 because that 13th – right now the 13th guy is Tabellis's brother. That's more of a to keep Tabellis happy type thing. So, yeah, as long as she has 10 good players, I'm not worried about it. Guess what? She has five returning who are all really good or have potential. And I think she's got five commits coming in, including two McDonald's All-Americans. Two McDonald's All-Americans, another top I trust. Right. So, are we, Adia Barnes, you're not listening, but if you are, we trust you. That's what we're going to say. Yeah. No no worries. All right. William, what time, what day you want to come on next? What are the days that you're good again for? Uh, Monday, Tuesday, Friday. So, let's shoot for most Tuesdays. I just happen to have... uh, uh, double appointments for my son. He had to he had to do the back to back doctor's appointments. I got you. So that's it. So William will be back on next Tuesday at twelve thirty. Thanks again, Brad. Really appreciate you, my man. Anytime. All right, we'll be back with you. Thanks for listening to the AZ Wildcats podcast. Mm-hmm.